host of Starter Convos. Just had a beautiful conversation with Banele Koza, who's the founder and owner of BKHZ. Um, visioneer, artist, poet, soon to be author, probably author already. Um, had a beautiful conversation about art, life, the integration of humanity, and just growth. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Cool. Um, so I guess I think no, I don't like introductions. <laughs> I think we'll introduce you at the end. Okay. But um, I think maybe let's start with the conversation of I've been thinking about this idea of creation, right? Mm. And the privilege of creation, in fact. Um, who gets to create? Um, who holds that conversation? And I've had this question, why do you create? Like, what was the first thing that ever got you to think about creation and actually start with um, I think for me it was, because I remember I was so young and I still struggle with it, the idea of sitting and not doing anything. I think I was curious since I was like a little child. So every time I got bored, I'd be like, what do I do now? And I didn't have that many friends, so it is a lot of alone time, which is still the same right now. And in that alone time, I was like, okay, maybe you can do that. So it started off with wanting to be a hairdresser, because oh, wow. immediately my mom wanted me to, like every night she'd be like, okay, <laughs> and the one you have right now. Yes. <laughs> no, actually, I would start like from the beginning, yeah. like um, do like braid her hair, and then she can go sleep yeah. yeah and so i thought that's something i would see salons operating i'm like okay i guess i can have a salon mm. and do that um but unfortunately community does not allow that for boys um oh, yeah, it's considered a largely a female thing to do yes and also quite weird for a boy to be wanting to do that yeah. at such an early age so they just like like they kind of shushed me away from it and even when I went to the salons, because I started with my parents, and then I went to the salons, I'm like, can you please teach me? And they're like, you're too young for that. Mm. And then it was like, okay, then what do I do with this time? And then I think I was also aware of my emotions, that I was a very emotional kid. Um, not in the sense of like, I just wanted to cry or be dramatic. I just knew there was a lot of... You felt more. Yeah, yeah. I, feel, I guess it's sensitivity yeah. as well. And immediately, I started like keeping a diary. I was like, oh, the girls write a diary. How about you keep a diary as well? Mm. And I think that's where the creation aspect began. So you were keeping the diary in essence to capture the, the emotions that you were feeling? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And the experiences in relation to the experiences. Uh, yeah. It's interesting that you talk about feeling in, in, in relation to creation. Um, because in, in essence, you kind of have to feel something. To be able to create it? Um, I think, really? no? <laughs> I don't know for some people, I, I mm. feel like if I say yes, it would be 
like bias because yes. I'm always feeling and then <laughs> responding towards that. Mm. But I think that some people, I guess maybe they hide it. They won't acknowledge that they felt something and created because some people could be like, I didn't have to feel anything. I just thought of something and mm. did it. Yeah, but I think for me personally, it's a lot of feelings. Yeah. yeah what's, what's the most visceral thing that you've ever felt? Like the strongest emotion that you've felt and you've actually put it out as, as a creation? As a creation. Um, I feel like I'd have to think about that a lot, but I know recently um, I saw a friend of mine that I really liked. I think they're my highlight this year, literally, um, because I, I love them so much. Mm. Um, and I think it taught me or it showed me how much I can love in a relation even though it was a it felt like um what do you call that uh unrequited oh, it felt okay so unrequited you, you love the person but it's not really returned as much yeah <laughs> also not returned in the way I wanted it uh, yes yeah. and so we hadn't spoken since July and I went to an event and they were there mm. and this is like three months later and just seeing them and knowing I know so much about this person but in my reality it feels like the almost like they've passed on but mm. they're alive. They've moved, they've moved beyond you. Yeah, there's a loss. Yeah, yeah. so I'm yeah. feeling you, you deal with the loss, yeah, the grieving and everything of someone who's around. Yeah. So when I saw them, they just hugged me and they moved on. Mm. And yeah, that was That's the <laughs> that was a lot. Like, yeah. um, but what it helped me with, because I've been afraid to tap in to just creating by myself, um, especially with painting. Mm. And I've been afraid of that for like three years. And after that experience, literally on Monday, I made about 20 something paintings. Just off that, just based just on, that on that emotion, wow. yeah. But mostly the emotion, like how I just had to get it out. Yeah. yeah. Is that part of the work that you're currently showing in the space? Yes. Okay. What was that feeling? If, if, um, I mean, yes, you've you've spoken about the, the fact that it felt like a little bit of a loss. Um, but also love. That's okay. A lot of love. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was an attachment to what was. Oh, it still is. That's the other thing because I don't think you'll always love people. Like I don't think when you stop. Some people say they stop loving people. I just think you like suppress it. Mm. But I think when I saw them, I was like, oh, I still really care for you. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I never like placed it aside and be like, okay, I won't feel that anymore. It's, it's a pretty high compliment to even create work, you know, based off just that feeling for this one person in this one experience mm. that would sit in your space. Does this person know about this? <laughs> Um, well, they don't want to know. They wouldn't know because they're not talking to me. So, but uh, I wish they know. So, yeah. Okay. Even if I communicate with them, there's no response. So, yeah. like, yeah. What's what's the first what's the first thing that you do when you wake up? Um, I think when when you first came in, you were talking about the fact that you woke up at four in the morning. Um, you probably did some reading. Then yes. you went to gym. But is that like a, a recurring thing? Um, do you have a, a, another routine maybe that you... I think what I'm always trying to instill is that when I wake up, I shouldn't be on my phone, but I end up on my phone. Um, so the first thing I'll probably do is check messages. 
because it's a nice feeling to see that oh, people are thinking of you while you're sleeping, <laughs> although there's communication in between. Um, and then immediately I start, I'll probably illustrate on my phone because I've got a pen. Okay. Um, so sometimes I'm noting down thoughts, um, thoughts in a sense of words, like I'll write poetry. Actually, I wrote something. Oh, Do you wow. want me to read it for yeah, you? Yeah, sure, please. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, was that this morning? Uh, this was this morning, okay. literally this morning when I woke up. And I was amazed by the words. I don't think sometimes we realize how powerful the words we write are. Mm. Even especially when you write them yourself, you're just like, oh, this is yes. something. Yeah, because you also don't want to be narcissistic. And, you know? yeah. But the words themselves actually carry an experience. Mm. That's is very unique to you. Mm. And I think for me, it it is just like the message. I think I wrote it, I, I, I put it on the journal, and then immediately I read it. It was as if I was reading it written by someone else, and mm. I was like, whoa, mm. this is a lot. Please, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So it says, God places a dream on us, and it is up to us to follow it through. And what I liked about that is that it's the fact that it's also a choice. Yes. Yeah. God places a dream on us and it's up to us to follow it through. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's powerful. That's, I, f I actually felt that. Um, I felt that from the idea that, you know, we often connect with God from a level of God provides, right? And we just have to sit there and sort of wait for this experience to happen and you know there's the what's the the phrase Jesus grabbed the wheel right um, as if you're not an active participant in your, in your experience in your dream in your vision mm -hmm. but that actually takes me to the other part which is yes God will provide this mm -hmm. this dream but yes. the dream is just a door yes. you actually have to walk through the door and make the choice to do it mm -hmm. that's <laughs> that's, that's powerful. Well, where did that come from? Sorry, if I ask. Yeah, um, but also first, let me ask you, do you have that dream? Do you? Yes, I do, I do, I do. Um, but we're here to talk about you. <laughs> this is not, the, it doesn't go the other way around. It should, we're here it, to it talk about to. you. <laughs> it's a conversation. <laughs> I do, I do have, I have many dreams. Mm. I wake up, I journal, yes. you know, and um, I, I vision board. So I have dreams for myself. And the one thing that I've realized in all of these dreams is exactly that, that you actually have to make the choice. There's nobody who's, you know, God is not there to make the choice for you. God provides the dream, as you, you put, which is why I connected to that so much, because you can't have a dream and just sit there and wait for it to happen. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, I think on my side, um, for me, it was a literal dream. It wasn't like um, a mess. I guess it was a message, but it, it even became a visual, apparent message mm. that this is your path. Mm. Um, and this is more on a relationship side, because I think the, the art side that I knew when I was like very early, like around 11, that, okay, this is the dream for you. And I've followed it through, and that's why um, I've been able to be in this position because I've followed through that dream. And now, 
because I've been struggling romantically, where it's just like, I'm just like, why? What's up? <laughs> and I think three to four months ago, um, I basically, literally, it was just a conversation between me and God on like, how do I get hold of this person? And romantically, you know. I'm not, at first it was just like out of interest. I'm okay. just like, how do I get hold of? Because I've never. I knew the person, mm. but I didn't have contact with them. Mm. Um, okay. Only if we maybe in the same event, but I, I didn't know how I'd get hold of them. Yeah. And literally I was just like, that was my question. And 10 minutes later, they texted me. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I was completely blown away that I immediately shared something on Instagram saying, this is the law of attraction at its best. Because yes. I literally asked for and then it happened mm. without me, like with the least effort. Mm. Um, so, so talk about that because, so, I mean, you know, we're often, I suppose there's a, a certain conditionality that exists or a framework of thought mm -hmm. that says you have to hustle, 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 hustle and mm. be like so resilient in your hustle that you, you know, you literally like work yourself to death. Mm. Um, but you just presented this idea of least effort. Yes. I'm actually still <laughs> trying to understand it, to be honest, myself, because um, it's in this book, um, I think it's by Deepak Chopra, it's called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Yes. And Is one that what of, you're reading now? No, I read it a while back, but okay. I keep on referencing it back to my life, and I'm still passing that book over to friends. Yes. Um, and one chapter is called The Law of Least Effort. And what it speaks about is that grass does not try to grow, it grows. It just grows, yeah. Same yeah. with flowers, they don't try to bloom, mm. they bloom. Mm. And then the question with us, like, why do we try so hard? And I think... When we're actually just an extension of nature, well, we're actually we, part of it. We're we are nature, of it. yeah, we, we are it. Yeah. And I think it's in that understanding as well on our side that we have to like things take time mm. and that's why when you ask about the plants like why are there so many plants yes. they remind me of life yes. that as much as you want things right now yeah. this orchid it's will its take process. its time yes <laughs> and i have to understand that on my side as well mm. so um sometimes yes you have to work hard the stuff but the stuff that you can work hard towards and still not get mm. and that's life mm. and then sometimes when you relax it will come to you. It's just a matter of, and I like that you touched on the vision board, because mm. sometimes the stuff that you will place down and be like, this is what I want. And if you just relax, sometimes it just comes to you yes. naturally. And for me, it happens a lot where, like yesterday I had a conversation with someone, like literally I was working on um, the branding aspect of a pro product I'm working on. And I think in my mindset, I wanted, in my mind, I wanted to know how can I continue this further? And literally without me even trying, someone just walked in, we spoke, just to find out they run a huge chain of stores. And then they just gave me literally a three hour conversation where they're just giving me the whole process. Mm. And so sometimes if you're in sync with your inner being, because they say God is within us. Yeah. So if you're connected with that God within you, it makes it possible. That's interesting to me because, again, this goes back to, you know, this, this conversation of least effort. Yes. Um, 
it doesn't happen when you're not connected. You, you absolutely have to be connected to yourself in every single way. Because what I find is that there's, there's just something that keeps telling us, you know, there's an essence that speaks within. But we are surrounded by so much noise that we'd rather, you know, latch onto the noise and leave the essence. And that's actually what drives us, you know. So, so that's the hustle, actually, you know, the noise and all of the things that are around us. It's like hustling to do this and that, but it's like, you know, the source is, is, is such a powerful thing because it's unique to you and only you can connect to that. Um, and when you do connect to it, that's when the least effort you know, things comes, comes through. Yeah, everything that you want happens. Has that been true in your life? Yeah, certainly. Everything, yeah. everything, like everything that's happening around me. Because I think because I'm quiet, mm. I've been able to listen to myself. So every move that I like follow through it's because i'm listening to my compass and without that and sometimes it's scary it's just like yeah you need to do that and i'm just like what mm. it's like almost like jumping like Follow a cliff through, yeah. yeah it's just like you need to jump this cliff and mm. i'm just like ah uh, and i'll delay it for like yes. eight months and then i do i realize i'm like keeps Whoa. tapping you on the shoulder yes hey remember that yes you asked for it yes mm. and it's it's literally a ride of a lifetime wow yeah wow <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. Um, so wait, you said something about you've followed the art dream through since you were, how old did you say, about 11? Um, I think the space, I knew about I had to have a space when I was 11. Okay. But I think between four and five, I was already drawing and I was already like marking down my feelings and everything. And even then, I didn't know that that would lead to my interest in writing. Because mm. I write, I think I've been writing more than I've been painting or drawing. Okay. And so you've got books coming out as well. <laughs> I'm still scared, but yes. <laughs> Shoulders have. I know, I know. But it's patient with me. Yeah. I think I still enjoy the joy of writing without any pressure. Yeah. So yeah. I've been slowly releasing it with poems. Okay. And yeah, but I've been working on a book for like two years now. Oh, wow, that's, <laughs> that's incredible. Um, something that you said that I wanted to latch onto. Oh, did you have creative parents? If I ask, I think not in the. Because to create as well is like beyond painting and everything. Yes. So I'd say. On my father's side, he created, um, he's someone who studied up till, I think, standard six. Mm. Um, back, back then, when they back were then yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's actually, I think, 88 now. Mm. Um, oh, he's quite old. My father's 87. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, sure. And um, he had a vision of creating a complex. And he did, created it. And as in the living space? A complex for a retail space. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I would say in that sense, mm, he's, he's a creative. creative yes. he's a creator, actually. Yes. Yeah. And then my mom, she's a teacher. And, but beyond that, she, I think she taught me like the nice things in life. Mm. Um, in, like <laughs> in terms of like taste, like she, she's like... So basically, this is your mother. Everything that's around here is your mother. 
I think it's so the taste level is, you know, it's I think it's both of them. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think it's both of them. Yeah. yeah. If, like even this morning I was thinking about it. I'm like, I actually have got um like as expected, but both I inherited both sides of my parents. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I I love that you have sort of removed this idea that one can be a creative, um, you know, because we tend to sort of have titles that are only like, you know, some, some of the work that I do is in advertising. Yeah. And in advertising, you've got the creatives and you've got the suits and you've got mm. strategists and you've got, you know, all these different roles. Yes. Um, and, you know, whenever a problem comes in that has to be solved, automatically gets shifted to the creatives, mm. you know? Um, and then it's drawn from them to the next You know, then it sort of moves through hand, you know, obviously in this nine to five experience, mm. but I, I love the fact that you've removed that because in essence, if you create something, you're a creator. So you're, you're creative in essence, you, mm. you know? Mm. And it's something that comes beyond the physical realm that we, that we encounter every day. Mm. Um, my father is, um, he's 87. He actually used to paint when he was younger, uh, funny enough. Mm. Uh, and he, he used to create type, typography as well. Um, and I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine to say, at some point when my father met my mother, he, he stopped painting because my mother you know, thought he wasn't very serious about life. <laughs> you know, uh, mm. painting. Back in the day when really being a black artist wasn't, you know, the norm as it is today. Um, and and he left all that world behind and literally destroyed all his paintings. And I was saying to my friend, I wish that my father actually kept those paintings because today I could have been like, oh, you know, showed my kids, mm. this is the lineage that you come from. Mm. Um, do you think he took on anything creative afterwards? Do I think? He took on anything else that was creative. He, he became a sign writer. Sign writer. Yeah, he okay. worked for Coca-Cola for about 40 oh. years, doing all the signs that you see on the roads. You know? um, nice. I think there was a time when literally every ghetto that you went to had all these red Coca-Cola signs. Mm-hmm. That was my dad. That's mm-hmm. what he would do. Yeah. Oh. Um, so it still continued? I suppose, yes, yes, yes. Continue, but um, I, I think I, I got from him that, that aspect of creation as well. That it's not just, you know, um, I mean, typography is, you know, it, it seems like a very boring thing to do, but he looks at typography in a completely different way. When you drive with him in town, mm-hmm. he look at something and be like, "Wow, that's this letter should be this way." And <laughs> he analyzes things. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That a little bit from him as well, but That's talk about cool. yeah, talk about the the merge of you know your your father as a creator in the complex, um, and then your mother as a teacher, and how that influenced the, the, the art that you Um, I think especially seeing my father. Interestingly, I'd, for the longest time, I thought there's no link between me and my father mm. in terms of we all do. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, and I think that was mostly because um, maybe in his projections of what he wanted for me, 
um, versus what I wanted for my life. Mm. And luckily, I think I'm as stubborn as he is, first of all. And that's something I also realized recently because he's very set in his ways and I'm also very set in my own ways. Mm. Um, and then beyond that, I think seeing him every day, because every day he'd wake up to the complex, um, picking papers, just taking care of his space, mm. like constantly. And at first you're just like, why are you doing that? Like, mm. you've been embarrassing. It's like, why are you picking papers on other people to do that? Yeah. And then only later, like, when I opened a space where I understood that this is, becomes your baby, where you will do everything for it. Mm. And I think that primary teaching was very important for me. And then also just to see someone like have a dream and be able to do it. And still, I think at 75, he did an extension of the space. Wow. And most people at 75... So he was active at that point? He's still active right oh. now. I think it's just he's got dementia, so it's, it has slowed him down, which is natural. I think mm. it's important because he literally was always working. Mm. And okay, I'm always working, yeah. so <laughs> there's another lane. So there's the correlation. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I also just had a dream like have a space and that's something I've been able to achieve mm. and I realized I think with everything that was taught subliminally from his side it just came through on my side. Mm. What and are some of the important lessons that you, you think you've got from him besides the work ethic? Um, I think constantly kept on telling us don't work for someone mm. like you better own like he constantly told us you have to own your space own your space and that, that's, that even went into property, he would always say, stop renting, own a space, mm. own a space. Mm. And for me, that I've taken even with my own practice, that I have to own my practice um, and lead the narrative. Because if the moment you give it to someone else, mm. they have their own vision for it. Yes. And I have my own vision. Sometimes you can express yours, but you won't be had. Mm. But until you take it on yourself, mm. then... Is that where the, the gallery comes from? Yes, okay. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just a bit, a bit about the gallery. I think, you know, there's obviously been a lot of artists that, that have come through that space. It feels pretty much like it's the tastemaker right now. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Hey, would you, would you, you. Is that something that you get a lot um, I think I've been realizing um, your tastemaker, that's interesting. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think what we've been able to do is cultivate a lot of um, new talent, mm. like just giving them space, especially because we really focused on group shows and each group show is unique, meaning we've probably shown close to 100 creatives mm. that would have probably not been seen if we had gone the traditional route or what if we didn't exist. Uh, of maybe having a bunch of like maybe a stable of 20 artists and okay. only showing those. Okay. Yeah, so for me, because um, I've seen, I think being so connected to the creative um, community, it's just like, whoa, this has to be seen, this has to be seen. Mm -hmm. And I think even in our archiving system, it'll always exist, there'll mm. always be that reference. And 
it's interesting also to see some of the artists also be taken by the bigger institutes and that we just come through that space yes yeah. that came through the space yeah. and some have actually been working with other spaces but because we did maybe something very central and focused mm. it gave them that bridge to the next step mm. so we just really appreciate <laughs>
I think deep down I knew of how big it was, mm. but also not being aware of how big it is as an, yeah. Yeah, as an initiative. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's certainly, I mean, I use the word tastemaker. That's, that's pretty huge. It's huge. <laughs> Pressure. Do you, feel, do you feel some responsibility to um, present a certain thing, or do you, you know, I suppose you, know, you can't get to the point where you're so big that you now have to create things in a certain way. Do you, do you feel that responsibility or do you sort of go with a more natural feeling? Um, I think on my understanding of that is the responsibility of, I think the responsibility that I've had for or the weight that I've felt was to be almost like, I think now people see it as the space that is like has become a savior for a lot of emerging artists. And also actually, interestingly, like artists that I looked up to, mm. they also now like they want to be part of the space. Mm. And it's a lot of responsibility, first of all. Mm. And I think if you've got a savior complex, you might want to be fully immersed into trying to save something mm. that's bigger than you alone. And it's actually, it would take community and other spaces opening. So for me, when I actually opened the space, it was just planting a seed mm. um, to other creatives that you can open your own space and lead the narrative. Yes. You don't have to wait on a space. Which is actually yeah. not the norm, especially in the arts world, for an artist to have a space that you know is open not just to themselves, but to a community of other artists. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think for me... Why is that? Sorry, if I'm asking. Do you know why that is? In terms of just not... You know, I, I certainly don't get to experience lots of artists that actually have their own space. I think it's mostly um, institutions like where we started. Mm. They don't teach you to open a space. Mm. They're teaching you to be in a space. Mm. So throughout, you're being told aspire for this like it's almost like a model where you start very small galleries you grow get into museums and then eventually you're like at the biggest institutes and no one tells you you can actually build that big institute mm. yeah mm. and i think for me funny enough bkz has always been like when i was dreaming about it when i was younger i was imagining because i started fashion I thought I'd be opening stores that are as big as like your Louis Vuitton and your Dior's. Mm. So it wasn't even thinking of just one small space. Mm. It was just like a whole institute that has got spaces in different countries. Mm. So that's still the dream. That's still the dream. Yeah. That's <laughs> and to be honest, I still like, I'm always channeling like the Louis Vuitton energy because they've got, it's like, the most premium brand in my taking and just the like how they're able to do things for centuries <laughs> well wait maybe i shouldn't say centuries maybe for a century <laughs> and still be relevant in mainstream culture right yes. so if bkz could take on that as well mm. i mean it's not going to happen overnight yeah. and that's what i have to tell myself as well because mm. the reality is that it's hard sometimes you're fighting the economy sometimes you're fighting the space there's mm. so many there's so factors many elements, yeah. Yeah. yeah but if you just have the dream 
and follow it through, mm. it might happen 70 years or once I'm gone. Yeah. So that's interesting to me because I was having a conversation actually with one of my nephews and you know the conversation, the, the, the core of the conversation was about this idea of doing something for a very long time Yes. and actually maintaining a certain level of quality throughout it, you know, an elongated period mm-hmm. and, and, and delivering a product that is not instantaneous, you know, not the, yes, we all love Instagram, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very instant culture. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily, um, as a platform, it's obviously going to exist for a very long time, but the, the consumption um, or the creation on the platform mm. is very instantaneous, you know? Yes. Whereas mm. when you're creating on that level, yes. uh, you you literally have to maintain a force <laughs> for a very long time and mm. actually come, you know, pull, pull, pull through with it. And that's not the norm with a lot of the things that we do. We all, yeah. almost want instant gratification mm. but you're looking at a 70 year process you're looking at you know it's almost like a generational main um, uh, way of thinking uh, rather than expecting the results to happen now uh, yeah. yeah um that's true because um i believe in time mm. that everything happens in time mm. i can be impatient for some things funny <laughs> enough but um and i think also technology almost is kind of like making things so accessible that mm. you've got this illusion that you're in control and secondly that results should happen now mm. because everything is happening and the awareness of for instance if i look at your instagram like if i see you in bali next thing you open a company it feels it's like instant, it yeah. yeah it feels it's like, like you just switch from this to that to that yeah and it also feels like that should happen for my life as well yes yeah mm. and I think for me, it, it quickly registered that you can't do that because mm. first of all, it discounts your experience. You mm. could be having the best time of your life with just your family, having like a regular meal and all of a sudden you see this image and then it just takes away that. Mm. So immediately on my side, I started actually unfollowing everyone who made me feel envious. <laughs> like it on the reels like I just like I couldn't mm. um, and also it was people that I look up to because I was seeing everything happen now mm. it was just like no you actually like taking away my experience yes. of my own life because yes. also that that's its own path it'll take on at its own pace mm. and also not knowing that some people someone else is looking at me and they're like they want that mm. yeah mm. so it's just like being present for my own becoming I love that you bring that up, this idea of presence. Yes. Uh, because it's almost like you, what you're saying and what I'm hearing, mm. and you can you know, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're actually present to your own experience. I and you're to. letting that unfold rather than trying to be present to somebody else's experience, which is not, you know, not mm. yours, essentially. Mm. Mm. Um, and you're letting that unfold. And through letting it unfold, you're actually experiencing a much more joyous, and fulfilling life. That's true. I think even running a business has taught me I have to be present Mm. for today. Mm. Not even tomorrow, today. Because the moment I start thinking about tomorrow, 
my anxiety just like goes up. Yes. So if I you can, you actually don't know what's gonna happen to me. I have no idea what ha will happen in an hour's time. Mm. So why should I be stressing about an hour's time? Mm. So if I can just be here in this moment, mm. then, and also especially if things are going good today, for instance, I mean, I've looked at my business. Sometimes your funds have dropped so low that you're just like, I don't know how I'm gonna take care of next month. Mm. But if today is okay, mm. surely tomorrow will be fine. Mm. Yeah, and that has really, like it has pulled my mind into just existing in today. Mm. Even people will be asking like, what are your Christmas plans? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> Cause I'm not trying to be there. I'm just trying to be in today. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very um, admirable quality to have, but I think it's a quality that's accessible to all of us. Yes, we all have it. And I don't think that we, a lot of us are actually aware of that. Because that's where the power is, right? Mm -hmm. It's not the, okay, how much money can I make or how much um, can I accumulate and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely accumulate those things, but if you're not actually present in that experience, you, you'll probably find yourself accumulating all these things and being unhappy at the end of the day. That's true. Mm -hmm. And also, I think um, just out of readings and podcasts I've been listening to, it's like what is also important is like, the process of getting there mm. if you happy because there's some people who stress out about an outcome like if i just get this hundred million then and then i'll be happy yes. well that drive to that that road trip to that mm. has been making you anxious and angry and everything and greedy as well mm. um i think for me i flipped it where i'm very generous with my funds mm. i'm very I treat myself like on the most mundane things. Like, mm. I'll, like this morning, I went to the gym. I was like, "Yeah, you woke up at six. You went to the gym. Here's a treat." And <laughs> exactly. it, yeah. you're treating your body actually. Yes. You're having a conversation with, you know, this body that God yeah. gave you actually. Yeah. yeah. And also, out of my happiness with that, it extends to everyone else. Because mm. if, for instance, I was stressed out and panicky about everything, then Everyone. You probably take that energy there as well. As well, yeah. So I think the idea of presence and just being happy with where you are today will literally give you a great experience to the next. Mm. And also, who says you have to accumulate those great funds? Mm. Like, will you actually be happy? Will they make you happy? Exactly. Yeah. And I think I've had a moment where I think I had the biggest balance of just like funds that are accessible that I didn't have to go to savings and I was so unhappy mm. I was like whoa what does this mean mm. and I re that's when I realized that money actually isn't the source of happiness mm. like it gives you access it gives you um flexibility and also a lot of leeway but that's all it does mm. it's not and a lot of people equate that if only I have that, yes. I'll be happy. You know, in fact, I was actually thinking about this, the, the, the idea of money, because money itself doesn't actually have an energy. It's energy, actually. Mm -hmm. Money is energy. Yes, but what I'm yes. saying is of itself. It's not, it's not a, um, the, the, the physical money. Yes. Know, when you grab it, it's, it doesn't have energy, but yes. it can create a certain energy around you that maybe people might interact with and say, oh, that person is this or that person is that. Mm. Um, but what you are talking about is the journey to actually 
you know, finding a, a space where you can experience every moment. I think that's that for me sounds like a much more um, beautiful proposition because you, you're present, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. every single moment. Mm-hmm. And I think also for to write uh, a grace list, like to have a grace list to remind yourself of things you're grateful for yes. um, and what you have as well because mm-hmm. easily, and I think South Africa literally shows you all the contrasts mm-hmm. that you might be complaining, like some people be complaining in the SUV, like if only I could get a plane. Mm. Like there's someone else who's walking. Mm. There's someone else who's even just trying to get through life. Mm. And it's just, if you can just be present for what you have right now.